Part One, Chapter Twenty of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. At the time that these various conversations were going on in the reception room and in the princess's apartment, the carriage with Pierre, who had been sent for, and with Anna Mikhailovna, who found it essential to accompany him, drove into Count Buzukhoi's courtyard. When the carriage wheels rolled noiselessly upon the straw scattered under the windows, Anna Mikhailovna turned to her companion with consoling words, but was surprised to find him asleep in the corner of the carriage. She wakened him, and, as he followed her from the carriage, it dawned upon him for the first time that a meeting with his dying father was before him. He noticed that they had drawn up not at the state entrance but at the rear door. Just as he left the carriage, two men in merchant garb skulked down from the doorway and hid in the shadow of the wall. Stopping a moment to look around, he saw several other similar figures on both sides in the shadow. But neither Anna Mikhailovna, nor the lackey, nor the coachman, though they could not have helped seeing these men, paid any attention to them. "'Why, of course it must be all right,' said Pierre to himself, and followed Anna Mikhailovna. Anna Mikhailovna, with hurried steps, tripped up the dimly lighted narrow stone stairway and beckoned to Pierre, who loitered behind her. He could not seem to realize why it was necessary for him to go to the Count, and still less why they had to enter by the rear door, but concluding by Anna Mikhailovna's assurance and haste that it was absolutely necessary, he decided to follow her. Halfway up the stairs they almost ran into some men with buckets, who came clattering down and pressed up close to the wall to let them pass, but showed not the slightest surprise to see them there. "'Is this the way to the princess's apartments?' she inquired of one of them. "'Yes,' replied the lackey, in a loud, insolent voice, as though now anything were permissible. "'The door at the left, Matushka.' "'Perhaps the Count did not call for me,' said Pierre, when they reached the landing. "'I would better go to my room.' Anna Mikhailovna waited till Pierre overtook her. "'Ah, mon ami,' said she, laying her hand on his arm, just as she had done that morning to her son. "'Believe that I suffer as much as you. But be a man.' "'Really, hadn't I better go?' asked Pierre, looking affectionately at Anna Mikhailovna through his spectacles. "'Ah, mon ami,' she said, still in French, "'forget the wrongs that may have been done you.' "'Remember he is your father, perhaps even now dying,' she sighed. "'I have loved you from the very first, like my own son. "'Trust in me, Pierre. I will not forget your interests.' "'Pierre did not in the least comprehend, but again with even more force. "'It came over him that all this must necessarily be so, "'and he submissively followed Anna Mikhailovna, who had already opened the door.' The door led into the entry of the rear apartments. In one corner sat an old manservant of the princess's, knitting a stocking. Pierre had never before been in this part of the house. He was not even aware of the existence of such rooms. Anna Mikhailovna hailed a maid whom she saw hurrying along with a carafe on a tray, and calling her by various familiar terms of endearment, asked how the princesses were, and at the same time beckoned Pierre to follow her along the stone corridor. The first door on the left led into the princess's private rooms. The chambermaid with a carafe, in her haste, everything was done in haste at this time in this mansion, failed to close the door. 
and as Pierre and Anna Mikhailovna passed by, they involuntarily glanced into the room where sat the oldest of the nieces in close conference with Prince Vasily. Seeing them passing, Prince Vasily made a hasty movement and drew himself up. The princess sprang to her feet, and in her vexation slammed the door to with all her might. This action was so unlike the princess's habitual serenity, the apprehension pictured on the princess's face was so contrary to his ordinary expression of self-importance, that Pierre paused and looked inquiringly at his guide through his spectacles. Anna Mikhailovna manifested no surprise. She merely smiled slightly and sighed, as though to signify that all this was to be expected. Soyons, mon ami, I will watch over your interests, said she, in answer to his glance, and tripped along the corridor even more hastily than before. Pierre did not comprehend what the trouble was, and still less her words, watch over your interests, but he came to the conclusion that all this must be so. They went from the corridor into a dimly lighted hall which adjoined the Count's reception room. It was one of those cold and magnificent apartments in the front of the house which Pierre knew so well. But even in this room, right in the middle stood a forgotten bathtub from which the water was leaking into the carpet. A servant and a clergyman carrying a censer came toward them on their tiptoes but paid no attention to them. Then they entered the reception room, with its two Italian windows, its door leading into the winter garden, and adorned with a colossal bust and full-length portrait of the Empress Catherine. The room was filled with the same people in almost the same attitudes, sitting and whispering together. They all stopped talking and stared at Anna Mikhailovna as she entered with her pale, tear-stained face, followed by the stout, burly Pierre, submissively hanging his head. Anna Mikhailovna's face expressed the consciousness that a decisive moment was at hand, and with the bearing of a genuine Petersburg woman of affairs, she marched into the room, not allowing Pierre to leave her, and showing even more boldness than in the morning. She knew that as she was bringing the person whom the dying Count desired to see, her reception was assured. With a quick glance she surveyed all who were in the room, and perceiving the Count's priest, she, without exactly bowing, but suddenly diminishing her stature, sailed with a mincing gait up to the confessor and respectfully received the blessing first of one and then of the other priest. "'Thank God, we are in time,' said she to the priest. "'We are his relatives, and were so much alarmed lest we should be too late. This young man here is the Count's son,' she added in a lower tone. "'A terrible moment.' After speaking these words, she went over to the doctor. Cher docteur, she said to him, Ce jeune homme est la face du comte. Il était de l'espoir. Is there any hope? The doctor, silently, with a quick movement, shrugged his shoulders and cast his eyes upward. Anna Mikhailovna, exactly imitating him, also raised hers, almost closing them, and drew a deep sigh. Then she turned from the doctor to Pierre. Her manner was respectful and affectionate, with a shade of sadness. "'Have confidence in his mercy,' said she in French, pointing him to a small sofa where he should sit and wait for her, while she noiselessly directed her steps toward the door which was the attraction for all eyes, and noiselessly opening it disappeared from sight. Pierre, making up his mind in all things to obey his guide, went to the little sofa which she pointed out to him. As soon as Anna Mikhailovna was out of sight, 
he noticed that the eyes of all who were in the room were fastened upon him with more curiosity than sympathy. He noticed that all were whispering together, nodding toward him with a sort of aversion and even servility. He was shown a degree of respect which he had never been shown before. A lady whom he did not know, the one who had been talking with the two priests, got up from her place and motioned to him to sit down. The adjutant picked up a glove which he had dropped and gave it to him. The doctors preserved a respectful silence as he passed by them and fell back to make way for him. At first Pierre was inclined to sit down in another place so as not to disturb the lady, was inclined to pick up his own glove, and to turn out for the doctors, though they were not at all in his way. But, on second thought, it suddenly occurred to him that this would not be becoming. He felt that this night he was a person expected to fulfill some terrible and obligatory ceremony, and therefore he was in duty bound to accept the services of all these people. He silently received the glove from the adjutant, and took the lady's place, laying his huge hands on his evenly plated knees in the naive poise of an Egyptian statue, and saying to himself that all this was just as it was meant to be, and that, lest he should lose his presence of mind and commit some absurdity, it behooved him this evening above all to give up all idea of self-guidance, but commit himself wholly to the will of those who assumed the direction of him. Not two minutes had passed when Prince Vasily, in his kaftan, with three stars on his breast, carrying his head majestically, came into the room. He seemed thinner than when Pierre had last seen him. His eyes opened larger than usual when he glanced about the room and caught sight of Pierre. He went straight up to him, took his hand, a thing which he had never done before, and bent it down as though trying by experiment whether it had any power of resistance. Courage! Courage, mon ami! He has asked to see you. That is good. And he started to go away. But Pierre felt that it was suitable to ask. How is he? He stammered, not knowing exactly how to call the dying count. He was ashamed to call him father. He had another stroke half an hour ago. Courage, mon ami! Pierre was in such a dazed condition of mind that at the word coupe he imagined that someone had hit him. He looked at Prince Vasily in perplexity, and it was only after some time that he was able to gather that coupe meant an attack of apoplexy. Prince Vasily, as he went by, said a few words to Lorraine and went into the bedroom on his tiptoes. He was not used to walking on his tiptoes, and his whole body jumped as he walked. He was immediately followed by the oldest princess. Then came the confessor and priests. Some of the house-servants also joined in the procession and passed into the sleeping-room. There was heard some stir, and finally Anna Mikhailovna, with the same pale countenance, firmly bent on the fulfillment of her duties, came running out and touching Pierre on the arm said, The goodness of God is inexhaustible. The ceremony is about to begin. Come. Pierre passed into the room, treading on the soft carpet, and noticed that the adjutant and the strange lady and one of the servants all followed him, as though now it were no longer necessary to ask permission to go in. End of chapter 20